Hello, hello, and thank you for listening to another episode of Live Free Podcast, guys, where I talk about living a life of freedom and expansion in Christ Jesus and rest. For we know where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom, and there's expansion. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the revelation of salvation. Um, this topic came up as a result of me having a conversation yesterday uh, with my sister and I was talking about how God is continually revealing to me what salvation is really all about. And so in this episode, we're going to be talking about um, salvation. Uh, what does it mean to be a born again believer and how, uh, what does the Bible say about salvation? Because there are so many people that uh, probably want nothing to do with God because of the way that Jesus Christ has been represented. And so today God is having me uh, reveal to you some of the things that he has opened my eyes about in terms of salvation and how it actually plays out as a born again believer. So first going to get started. I'm not going to be before you long. I'm trying to get everything out as I feel like the Holy Spirit will have me to say. I've already prayed. I've already pleaded the blood of Jesus. But of course, I've still had some opposition before trying to record this video. But we're going to get this out. Nevertheless, uh, we will not be uh, uh, deterred or turned in another direction. But I know that this is this is paramount that this word goes forth. So. We're going to be talking about the revelation of salvation. What does it mean to really be saved? And what does that word really mean? When we talk about salvation, we talk about being saved from um, being saved from death, hell and destruction. But there's more to salvation than just uh, an insurance policy that will be keeping you from going to hell. And God wants us to get the full revelation of what salvation is really all about. Um, and I believe that as with anything, you have to bring balance to the word of God and bring clarity to the word of God. Um, not that it um, contradicts contradict itself in the Old and the New Testament. However, sometimes as people, we want other people to have something so badly that we have. And as believers, we tend not to go about it in the right way because we know that the Bible says, Jesus says, what well, love and kindness do I draw thee? So God draws people with love and kindness. If it's anything detrimental or that would condemn people or make them feel shamed or, or just beating the word over people's head consistently, um, there's so many revelations God has given me about that. And I want to share them today with you. Um, and we're going to start with uh, what does what does it just mean to be saved? What does it mean to be a born again believer? What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, I believe that God is saying in this hour that to be saved is more than just Lord save me from going to hell. If we confess with our hearts and believe, you know, confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ was born and that he was raised from the dead and that he came, you know, to wash away our sins and that we repent, which is most important, repent for our sins, then we will be saved. I think that we put too much formality as people, as human beings on things, and we get caught in a mood and we get caught in the formality of a thing versus being caught in the God of a thing, if it's God. 
because salvation is confession, confession with the mouth, but it's also not a formality because you can be saved anywhere. You can be rescued with, um, and following Christ in er any area of your life. There's so many millions of testimonies of how people have come to know the Lord and they've come to know the Lord in wherever they were. So God will meet you right where you are. It's not a matter of, I got to get myself together or I got to clean myself up um, in order for me to go to church because I'm here to tell you church is not going to save you. Church is just a, a tool that God uses to grow you spiritually and to fellowship and have communion with another group of body of believers. It's not the end all be all. And I'm here to tell you, sometimes God will pull you out of church just to get to know him, which is what he did with me um, years ago. He pulled me out in order for me to really get to know him, because sometimes religious things can actually detour or hinder your growth or hinder your walk with God because people are so interested in rituals, routines, and traditions that they totally miss God. God said out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. What does it mean to flow, flow, flow? Let's go, let's go old school with it. If it, what it means to flow, it means to flow. If somebody tell you to freestyle, what would you do off the cuff, you know, off your head, you just start freestyling, whether you're rapping or you're presenting something, you're just flowing. And that's exactly how the Holy Spirit moves. The Holy Spirit flows. You can't box God in. You can't put a formality to it. You can't say, okay, you got to get on your knees and you got to say this prayer and you got to say it this way or that way. God doesn't move like that. God moves in the heart of a person for man look at the outer appearance but God looks at the heart of an individual the heart of a person so I'm here today to let you know that salvation is for anyone who will come God says he will not hinder anyone from coming to be set free saved and delivered but it's just not enough to be saved to be saved from hell God wants you to have an abundant life he wants you to enjoy your family enjoy traveling enjoy uh, living in nice homes and having nice cars and having nice things. Now I'm here to tell you that God wants you to have nice things, but he don't want them things to have you. And what do I mean by that? I mean that the enemy can take anything that's a blessing, including church, and he can turn it into a weapon or he can turn it into a thing that would actually move you away from God. So instead of that thing supposedly moving you towards God, it would move you away and sometimes it's so conning and crafting and it's so subtle, you don't even realize you're being detoured away. And what do I mean when I say that? I mean, like, for an example, um, you can begin to worship things. So God can want you to have things and have church and have the, his creation and enjoy the landscape of his creation and enjoy the animals. But then we begin to worship these things worshiping the gifts rather than the giver of the gifts, the creator of the gifts. And a lot of times with salvation, it can all start off so well. And, but then we'll get into this thing where we start worshiping the pastor. We start worshiping the ministry. We start worshiping the giftings, the prophetic gifts. We chasing gifts. We chasing people instead of chasing the giver of the gifts and which is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So God has brought me on here today to bring balance and to bring clarity to the word salvation, repentance, um, all of that, because it's not enough to be saved. He wants to be Lord and savior to be Lord is exactly what it says. 
Lord. I had someone tell me one time, he said, I was ministering, this was years ago. He said, I can get Savior. He said, but why Jesus got to be Lord? Lord and Savior, because God wants to govern every area of your life because he knows that how crafty and cunning the enemy is and how he would try to pull you into certain things, ultimately try to pull you away from him with worldly things and with things that are not of God. So God wants to govern your life so he can tell you, hey, love, don't go here, go here. Don't talk, don't talk to this person or this person's intentions is not pure. You may want to go in this direction or um, just to govern your life and to put you on the right path so that you will not veer off on the path because it's so easy to get distracted with the cares of the world and with the things of the world that we get so caught up in them that we can be moved away from God. So God wants to govern every area of your life and not just be a savior that saves you from hell, but he wants to be Lord of your life, just like a landlord. What does a landlord do? A landlord maintains that property. A landlord is responsible for things that go on on that property. A landlord is who you pay your rents to, is who, who owns the property. So I'm here to tell you you were bought with a price. Meaning God owns you. If you're a born again believer, if you're saved, if you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, if you have repented, because we're going to get into that. A salvation doesn't just mean, oh, by his grace, I'm saved and I can just live any kind of way I want to live. You see how it's sometimes there's people go from one extreme to the other. So one extreme of it would be I'm saved, but I can't wear makeup. I can't wear earrings. I can't. Um, speak in the church because I'm a woman. I can't um, wear um, pants. I can't, um, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's do, do, do. You have to do, do all these things in order to be saved. But here, here, here's the thing. The flip side of the coin is you have people on the other end of the spectrum that are so far over there that they feel like they're saved by grace and mercy and that they can live any kind of way that they want to live. And I'm here to tell you that both is false. You can be saved, but you have to have balance and you have to make Jesus Christ not only Savior, but Lord of your life so that you don't slip into things that will pull you away from God that will ultimately bring you to hell, death and destruction because hell is real and that's a part of salvation. So I want to get into that and I want to talk about what does it mean to be repentant? And I found this um, excerpt in um, the Spiritfield Bible that I have, guys. I absolutely love it. It's my mom's old Bible. And I love this Bible. It is amazing. It's the New King James Version. But in this Bible, in the back, it says, people want to know, what do I have to do to be saved? And I thought these two things was a clear indication with Scripture being the, the foundation, of course, of what does it really mean to be saved? Okay. So it says here to be saved, you must turn away from sin, believe in death and the resurrection of Jesus and receive him as Lord and savior of your life. Um, here's a step-by-step -step process. First, you must consider your life and then turn away from everything in it that is contrary to what God wants for you. This turning away from selfishness and toward God is called repentance. Matthew 3, Chapter three, seven through 10 and Acts three and 19. Second, you must acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sin. You, you take him at his, um, 
word and and he cleanses you from sin and as a substitute who paid the price due for your sin romans 5 and 9. third you must ask him to be lord of your life what we just got through talking about acknowledging openly and verbally that jesus is not only your savior but he is your lord according to first john 2 and 23. the bible says that as many has received him were given the power to become the sons of god john 1 and 12. So when you open your heart and receive him, he comes into your heart and your inner person through the, his Holy Spirit and begins to live his life in you from the point in the, from that point in is your privilege and call to confess what God has done. So God is saying, not only do you receive me, but you also confess and not be ashamed of me because he said, if you're ashamed of me. Before men, I would be ashamed of you before the Father. And the last thing you want is for God to be, uh, Jesus to be ashamed of you before his Father because that has consequences as well. Um, and so I just want to be real basic and get into salvation, repentance, love, forgive, all these things. And then another question people ask is, can I lose my salvation? Well, I'm here to tell you a Christian can have a born again believer can have anything they want. Can a Christian have a demon? If a Christian wants a demon, a Christian can have a demon. First of all, there are no slaves in the kingdom of God. God ain't got no slaves. God don't manipulate people into following him. He doesn't put pressure on you to follow him. He says, with love and kindness do I draw thee. So God is not going to pull you in, beating you over the head, talking down to you, shaking his finger at you. He is a loving God and a love when a person loves you, they give you a choice. Wouldn't you want somebody to be with you if you was in a relationship just because they wanted to be with you and not because somebody told them or made them be with you? Well, it's the same nature of the father. He wants us to be in his kingdom and in his heart and in his everything because he loves us. So therefore, love is going to give you a choice. Love is not going to control you or manipulate you because that's witchcraft and God doesn't operate in witchcraft and we'll get into that in another segment I'm going to be doing on deliverance so witchcraft manipulation and control and God put it to me like this it was real simple it was simple it was a revelation he gave me years ago he said look here if I don't make you choose salvation and that that's a choice for you then I'm not going to allow the enemy to have power over you to make you sin because people feel like um they are demonically influenced of course if they're in sin but people feel like they have no control over what they do and let me let me just say this there would not be a hell if god felt like you were actually um, controlled by the enemy and had no control over what you was doing and how you was treating people and how you was talking to people and the crazy things that we do when we sin. Okay. If God felt like that, then there wouldn't be a hell because then you wouldn't be responsible for sending yourself to hell. God do not give anyone that kind of power over you. If he doesn't, he told me this, if I don't make you choose salvation, which is the most important decision you will ever make in your life, why would I allow the enemy to have power over you to choose to do evil? So therefore that lets me know that you have the power to say no. And through that power, the only way you have that power is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not talking about people that don't know Christ. 
We're not talking about people that is atheists and don't believe in God. We're not talking about agnostic people. We're not talking about any of that on the other side. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people that have confessed God. We're talking about salvation of people that want to know God. And we're talking about how does it all work in terms of do God really um, um, have control? No, you have a choice. Now, does God know the end from the beginning? Absolutely. He's Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows how your story is going to turn out. He knows how all of this is going to turn out in the end because he created everything. He knows the choices that we make. He knows everything about us from the most minuscule things. So there's no need in hiding from him. You might as well just come clean, baby. You might as well come clean because you can't hide from God. And so that with me knowing that, that just gave me the revelation that I might as well be real. You know, I might as well tell him how I really feel about stuff. I might as well have a real conversation. You know what I'm saying? So when you when you have people that are on one extreme of the spectrum to the other extreme, you can't do this. And then on the other end, I can live any kind of way I want to live because the grace of God is there and God loves me and God doesn't do that. And we don't have to do that. You know, and I, I can hear people saying that, you know, and it's like God is saying, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked for whatever a man sows, he will reap. So if the wages of sin is death. The, you're going to be the, the wage for your sin is hell. So how this works. Salvation. You get saved, right? So you're trying to figure this whole thing out, how to walk, how, what to do, what not to do. And all these things. Uh, is this a sin? Is this not a sin? Don't get into that. Because then you get the spirit of perfectionism. And then you start to make, make the word of God of no effect. You just live your life. And you constantly have a repentant heart when you sin. Now, some things we don't even know we sin about. Some things we do. That's why I just pray, Lord, forgive me for any sin known and unknown. And it's a continual thing because I'm going to tell you, when you stop repenting and I was there, it pulls you away from God more and more and more until you will lose your salvation. Now, here's the question. Somebody said, if I sin, will I lose my salvation? Okay. An act of sin does not cost you your salvation. There are people who teach that if you sin once after you have accepted Jesus, you must be saved again. But this is not what the Bible teaches. Okay, so can you conceive of somebody adopting a child and then throwing it out on the street because it fails, because it falls while learning to walk? When we are saved, we are adopted into the family of God. We must, out of love on one hand and godly fear of the other, seek to live a life that is pleasing to him. But the idea that one act of sin will cause someone to be thrown out of God's family is not in the Bible. It says, however, acts of sin or rebellion will take away the joy of our salvation. When David sinned, he had no joy because he had rebelled against God, according to Psalms 51 and 12. He said, do not take your Holy Spirit from me, according to Psalms 51 and 11. And even though he had committed adultery and then had been responsible for an innocent man's life by the clear statement, we are shown that he still had the Holy Spirit. Through punishment, though punishment came due to his sin, nevertheless, God forgave and loved him because David was repentant before the Lord. If one continues in a sin or course of known sin, assurance of one's salvation may be lost. But that is not the same as an actual loss of one's salvation. 
when the scripture says whoever is born of God does not sin according to 1 John 5 and 18 the sense of the Greek is not that a Christian never commits an act of sin but that he does not continue in that sin a course of sin refusing to confess and repent of his sin a person born of the Spirit of God will be drawn back to repentance every time he sins so when you have the Spirit of the Lord in you you are convicted of sin and so let me just say this, just make it a habit of continually to be in a repentant state. And Lord, and this is my prayer, guys, Lord, keep me, keep me, keep me. And I, that's my, that was my prayer for years. Keep me. Don't let something that have to happen for me, for me to realize that you are real. Okay. So that I'm just giving you my intimate moments and some of the things that I have said, you know, in that. And so repentance in the Bible, let's look, let's look at that, um, what salvation is really all about. Okay, let's go to some of the scriptures. So the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that, and this is not your own doing for it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. This is not by works, guys, which is what I was talking about, how being on the other end of the spectrum, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, and I think I'm working my way up to heaven type thing. You cannot work your way up to heaven, baby, because he said even our righteous acts is like filthy rags. The only thing that allows us to stand in the presence of God when we kneel and we pray or when we just pray, because we're not going to get into the formality of it either. I'm going to get into that. Um, when we pray to God is the blood of Jesus. And if you think anything else in your head that it's anything else that you're able to be saved or stand in the presence of the Lord when you're reaching out to him and you're praying, if you think it's by works because you're so good, um, you're sadly mistaken. Because when God looks at us, he sees his son Jesus' blood. He doesn't see us because we are we we have flaws we are we are sinful people okay by nature we are sinful people so when god sees us he sees his son's blood and if you think you're going to erase the blood of jesus and put yourself because of you work so hard to do everything right then baby i'm here to tell you it's not God and God ain't listening to you because it's only by Jesus blood that we are even allowed to stand in the presence of the holy of a holy God. And if we think it's anything else, we're sadly mistaken. So then um, he says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Lord, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But we also don't want to get into, okay, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm saved. I can just do anything I want to do, live any kind of way I want to live. It doesn't work like that. So God says in his word, if we repent, that um, that keeps us in, you know, right standing with God. It's not um, it's not like. You get saved and you feel like you can just do anything that you want to do. Right. So repentance um, is a big part of it. Repentance. And the most important is love, because God said that would bind it all together in perfect unity. That love that we have for him, because he said, how do you love your brother, brother, a God that you have not seen, but hate your brother who you have seen? So if you saying that the love of God is in you, you're a liar. Because God is saying that if you have not love, that's one of the fruits of the spirit. 
So the fruit of the spirit, let me get into that. According to first Corinthians 13, four and eight, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things and endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. And as for tongues, they will cease. And as for knowledge, it will pass away. But that love ain't going nowhere. And God, what God was saying is them gifts of the spirit, them gifts of the spirit going to pass away. Because once you get to heaven, it's not you're not doing all of that up in heaven. Those are for us here on earth so that we may be able to pull the power of heaven down to earth and operate in the gifts of God. But once you get to heaven, that those things will cease. And that's what he was talking about when he said that. Um, and it just says to abide in love. We love because he first loved us. Jesus answer most important is heal Israel, the Lord of our God. In Mark 12, this is Jesus talking. The Lord is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than thee. This is the fulfillment of the law. Not that the law has been abolished. God ain't taking away the law. He's saying that if you love, well, what does he really mean when he say if you love? Meaning when you love somebody, and it's the only way I can um, uh, explain it. You love what they love. If you're dating someone and they have uh, a child in the relationship uh, and you're getting to know them and you get married to that person. You love their kids because you love them. So the same way with God, if we're saved and we say we are in Christ, if we really say we're, we're going to love what God loves. So God hates sin. We're going to hate sin, too. If we if we know God love people, we're going to love people, too. You see how easy and simple it is. And I know it's easier said than done, especially when somebody has wronged you. But that's why we have the Holy Spirit, because God knows that he has left a helper here to help us love people. You can't love on your own. You can't forgive on your own. You can't do any of this stuff on your own. You have to say, Lord, please help me through the power of the Holy Ghost that's in me to love this individual or forgive this person. That's how it works. It's not anything in our own strength. So he would never put us here and just say, figure it out. He has sent us a helper. What is the Holy Spirit? That's a supernatural force. God's spirit that lives on the inside of us. Okay, so to be saved doesn't just mean I'm saved and that's it. We do have to still follow what the word says. We still have to not engage in things that we know that is known sin. And most importantly, if you do sin, you have an advocate. And if you do sin, you have the blood of Jesus. You have the grace of God. That's what the grace is all about. The grace of God is the empowerment to do what you couldn't ordinarily do on your own. Because, you know, before you met God, you was in sin and you was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Now that you in God, you have that ability that supernaturally lives on the inside of you to restrain you from doing those things. So I'm not saying you're going to do everything perfect. We all of us sin and we fall short of the glory of God. That is not what this message is about. But it is about some some may think that it's about the grace of God and we can just live any kind of way. Habitual sin, intentional sin. Now, even if we intend to sin because we do that, too, we still have to come back and say, Lord, I repent for that. I am so sorry. 
I repent and I ask for your forgiveness. And what I normally do is I just put the blood of Jesus over every sin and the cross in between it. And I seal every door shut that has been opened as a result of my disobedience. Because most people don't know that when you do open a door for sin, the enemy has a legal right to come in your life. And a lot of people think, well, I pleaded the blood of Jesus. Well, I, I, I said I asked for forgiveness, but that door is still open. So there are some strategies that God is going to allow me to get on here and teach about in terms of deliverance um, so that I can uh, teach you guys how deliverance works and how to get the enemy out of your life and how to keep him staying out of your life. So you can walk in a life of freedom. You can walk in a life of forgiveness. You can walk in a life of healing and abundance that God has for you, because sometimes we can truly be sorry and repent for things, but we are still bound by the enemy by certain things that we that's in our life and certain things that we're doing. And we, for some reason, just cannot seem to get free. So he's going to allow me. I think that's going to be the next teaching that's going to be coming up um, to teach on this deliverance and um, how it works, you know, and how the order and structure of the kingdom of God works and how to use the weapons um, uh, that God has given us to fight um, against the enemy because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and the spiritual wickedness of high places. So I want to say that revelation of salvation is repentance, forgiveness, and it's love. Uh, it's not things in that order, but when you love God, you love what he loves. You hate what he hates. And that's the same way if you got a best friend, if you got a spouse, if you got a sibling, a mom, dad, a family member, your cousins, you know how it goes that you, if somebody mess with them, you, you write on it, you know? So, and I want to give it to you like that because sometimes that's the only way people can understand is when you relate it to a real life situation. So revelation of salvation just means to repent. What does it mean to repent? It means to make a U-turn baby, make a U-turn. Guess what? I'm going to tell you what I did when I first got saved in 2000. This is 2022 now. I tore pictures. Back then it was pictures, okay? It wasn't cell phones and all that stuff. I tore pictures. I tore anything that I knew, the lifestyle that wasn't pleasing to God, that was demonic. I got rid of it. Let's get rid of the horoscopes, okay? Let's get rid of the, get rid of the witchcraft and the manipulating people. You got to get rid of that stuff. You got to get rid of your way of thinking that you know is contrary to the word of God. Anything that the Holy Spirit would bring to your remembrance. Now, it's not going to all happen at the same time. God will work with you over a period of time. And let me just say this. God will meet people right where they are. So meaning don't get into the formality of things. Don't. Oh, I got to get myself together before I go to church. You got to get myself together before I get to God, get myself together. If you can get yourself together, then you don't need God. Then Jesus dying on the cross is null and void. So that's not what God is saying. We can't get ourselves together to do nothing. We can't get ourselves. We, 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 <laughs> we can do nothing in and of ourselves. He is divine. We are the branches. We can do nothing without him, guys. Nothing. But this is a message of deliverance and freedom today for somebody who want to be set free, who is bound right now, who wants to be saved, but don't understand the walk of salvation. And I'm here to tell you, allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you in all truth. Um, 
Because surely as soon as you get this word, the enemy coming for the word, he's coming to confuse you. But I'm here to tell you right now, I bind that in the name of Jesus. The confusion that the enemy would try to bring because he tried to bring that confusion to me when I first got saved in 2000. I was learning about speaking in tongues. And every time God would give me a revelation of speaking in tongues or the, the word of God, he would come. Somebody would come up to me. You don't really believe in speaking in tongues. do you? They don't do that no more. That was back in the days of the uh, uh, acts and all this kind of stuff. This is the Bible days. This is, well, my thing is this, if I'm following the Bible and if everything is old in the Bible, which we know the Bible was written years ago, then we might as well put the Bible up and not even talk about it. So we know that can't be true. So what well, God, this is a blueprint to the instructions. Okay. And some people say the acronym for Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. And I truly believe that, that these are the instructions and the blueprint. This is Jesus Christ in the flesh, in the word of God. I'm sorry. This is the word of God, but this is Jesus. This whole Bible is him. Every word in here, you're not going to hear anything contrary to um, this word right here. If it's contrary to this word, it ain't God, baby. It's not him. God will never separate himself from his word. His word stands forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, the Bible says, but his word stands forever. Now, if you're not a believer and you want to be saved and you want to walk and you're tired of being bound and you're tired of this crazy lifestyle, you're tired of sick and tired of being sick and tired, which is what I was. That's how I came to know Jesus. I was just tired of sick and tired of everything. And so that's when I fell to my knees and just gave God my life. But I'm here to tell you, let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, just repeat after me. I confess, Lord God, that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, that he was raised from the dead, that he died for my sins. I repent for every sin, Lord, that I have sinned against you to break my heart or to push you away. I repent right now and I ask for your forgiveness for every sin. And I put the blood of Jesus over every sin and the cross in between. Just take my life, Lord, and do something with it. In the name of Jesus, set me free, clear me, clear my mind, clear my thoughts, and just heal me from everything that is not like you, Jesus. And I give you the glory and the praise. And I thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And so I didn't really go into it a lot, lot. Because I truly believe that there is really no set formality to asking God into your heart. Because when you start getting into traditions and rituals and religion and all that type of stuff, you kind of move God out of it. So I want to say this. However you find him, you find him. Now, there's only one way <laughs> to the Father, and that's through Jesus. There's no other God. There's no other God. There's not a Buddha. There's not Allah. There's none of that. And I don't want people to get confused because some people will say there's many paths to God. There's many roads to God, and you may call him Buddha, and you may call him Allah, but at the end of the day, it's still God. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And I bind that in the name of Jesus. The confusion, I come against that in Jesus' name because there is only one Lord and Savior, and that is Jesus Christ. And this is, and the only way to the Father is through Him. You're not going around Him because if you think for one second that God is going to dishonor His Son's blood so that you can curve around Jesus and forget that He walked the earth and shed His blood and died for your sins, and we're going to go straight to heaven when we leave, we don't have to go through Jesus. 
That is a lie from the pit of hell, and I bind it in the name of Jesus. And I release those scales to come off of your eyes and come off of your ears in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I thank you that you came that we may have a life and have it more abundantly. God came that you may enjoy your life. He doesn't mind you enjoying the nature, having nice cars, having nice clothes, having a nice home. That is, God wants you blessed. He wants you to walk in the fullness of joy. But God does not want them things to have you. He does not want his children to worship idols. Anything that takes your eye off God, I, 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 is an idol, American idol. All those different things that you worship. People worship their ministries, their pastors. They worship the church. They worship the gifting. They'll worship their animals and pets. They put the uh, everything else before God. God said he will have no idols before him. And that is a sure way to lose your salvation. Unforgiveness is a sure way to lose your salvation. Because the Bible simply says, I'm going to read what it says about unforgiveness. Because as believers, I, sometimes I think what it is, we tend to think that as long as I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior, that's enough. So I can talk to people in any kind of way, disrespect them, walk in bitterness, unforgiveness and hatred, fight people, spit on people, worship presidents. Come on. Worshiping presidents. And I say that because people worship leadership. And God will have no other idols before him. And let me just say this while I'm looking for the scriptures on unforgiveness. We have to be very careful as believers that we don't worship the Republican or Democratic or independent parties. That we begin to worship our blackness. That we begin to worship um, um, just things, things, our careers, our money are the, the things that he has given us to enjoy on earth. We have now become subject to worshiping those things. So we have to be very careful because I see it even in politics. I see it in politics. I see people worshiping presidents. They're worshiping democratic parties. They're worshiping Republican parties. They worshiping every, everything black. Because I'm black, I use all black products because I'm this. I can only uh, marry a white person because I'm white. I can only marry a black person or a Hispanic person or an Indian person or stop it. That is not of God. God does not get down like that, people. And in order for you to truly understand God, you have to understand his ways. You have to understand what his word says about something. What does the word of God say about politics? What does the word of God say about worshiping people, worshiping images, worshiping your money, worshiping your children? There are some people that worship the ground that kids walk on. It's, it's now reversed that, that the people think their children are God. It's insane. And anything can become an idol. Sports, basketball can be an idol. Come on, somebody. Gymnastics can be a, a sports, any kind of sports. Exercising can be, you can worship exercise. But you see how the enemy will take something normal and simple and, and he'll have you thinking that you're okay. Because the Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end there's death. The best way and the most simplified way I can put it before I read the scriptures on for unforgiveness. Ask God. 
to show you. Always test the spirit. Always take it to the prayer room. Take it to God and say, Lord, what I saw today, is this you? Is this woman that's speaking before me today, is this you? Because if it's not, I don't want nothing to do with it. And I'm here to tell you, as long as we seek the truth, God will show you the truth. But we have to be very careful that when God show us the truth, that we don't pass it off as a coincidence, that we don't pass it off as, oh, she said that, but that's a coincidence because I was just thinking about something else. Or I had a dream about this because I just heard this. Don't do that either. <laughs> Because I'm here to tell you how the enemy will try to trick your mind. Because when you get truth, he's coming for that word. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Anytime God has blessed you with something, no matter what it is, if he's blessed you with marriage, if he's blessed you with a great career, if he's blessed you with children, the enemy coming for it. Because he hates God and he hates everything God created. So you have to know that if God is showing you things in his word about something, that the enemy is going to come and try to twist that. So ask God and the Holy Spirit, Lord, if this is truth before me, if this person is of you, show me, give me confirmation. And he doesn't mind you asking that because the last thing God wants you to do is walk in deception is to be fool or tricked. God doesn't want us to be fool or tricked, guys. He wants us to walk in truth. And if that means getting uh, uh, another confirmation, by all means, he will do it because that is what's going to keep you. That's what's going to keep you. And I'm going to give you an example. There's a story in the Bible about the two prophets. One prophet was on his way to a destination and God had told him what avenues and what roads to take to get to that destination. Google the two prophets, the story of the two prophets. It'll come up. What I love about Google is sometimes you don't even have to have what you need at the time. You just Google it and it'll come up. So two prophets. So the prophet is on, on his journey. God told him to go a certain way on down a road. Don't go down this road. Go this road. So I'm just paraphrasing some of the stuff. He runs into another prophet, which was a true prophet of God. And the prophet of God said, oh, you don't have to go down this way. You can go this way. I, too, am a prophet. And I and I hear from God just like you hear from God. You can still go that way and go this way up the road or wherever the prophet was telling him to go. Well, the, the young prophet listened to the older prophet because he knew that that was a man of God or whatever. So. He went down the road. The other prophet told him to go. The older prophet told him to go down and he was mauled by a lion and killed. Now, what is the message in that? God is saying to you in this hour, you when he give you a word, a specific word, sometimes it's just not for everybody else. It's just for you. And in this hour, it's obedience to the fullest that that person can really mean well. But I'm here to tell you, most leaders are going to tell you. If this is what God is telling you to do, then listen to God, because God sometimes will purposely give you instruction just to see if you're going to obey him above all else. Now, because that older prophet had the title, he had the credentials, he had he, he was really a man of God. He, well, he wasn't lying about that. But sometimes the opinions of God cannot supersede the instruction of God. So you have people that have the right intent. And this is what I'm saying about when you start to get to know God and get in his word. People have they don't mean no harm sometimes. And sometimes they do. But sometimes they don't mean no harm. And they think what they really saying is right. 
and they'll give you an instruction over, but God has already gave you that instruction on what to do. But because you think that person is up there and because he's a leader, he must know what he's talking about. He must heard from God. But God is saying this thing between you and him is personal. It's a personal relationship. Now, will God use people to speak in your life? Absolutely. But when God has specifically gave you an instruction, don't bear off. Don't deviate from the plan. Stay on. And even though you may have people come and they may mean well and they may say things to you and they may try to give you instruction on things, it doesn't necessarily mean it's God just because they have the credentials and that they're, and that doesn't make him a false prophet. He was just giving his opinion. Oh, you can still go this way or whatever, whatever. But he was still out of line because what he should have did was say, okay, if this is the way God has told you to go, then that go that way. Don't listen to me. And that's what a real leader is going to do. They're going to always point you back to Jesus. They're not going to point you back to themselves. And that's what that leader was doing. He was pointing. I said, you can go this way, even though God may told you that, I said you can still do this. So it's going to be imperative that you doing your salvation walk, that you walk in a way that is pleasing to God and that you don't put anything before him. You can't put your kids before him, your spouse before him, because when you stand before God, you're not going to be standing there with your kids and you're not going to be standing there with your spouse. You better know that you heard from God. And sometimes, sometimes when you're when you're on the path and God has you and you're being obedient to him, it's going to cause division. It's, and when I say that, it meaning is the truth cannot be compromised for the sake of peace. Sometimes people want to keep the peace rather than say what the truth is, because they want to for people to like them. And we don't we don't want to, people to not like us. We want to be liked. So sometimes we compromise what we know to be true or we are ashamed or we cowered down because we think that, um, you know, everybody's going to think a certain way about us. But I'm here to tell you, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And I have been rebuked a few times by God by not giving the word when I was supposed to give a word where I was supposed to get a word and then the timing I was supposed to give a word because guess what? We're more caught up in what people think because sometimes when you don't give that word or when you don't speak that truth, you're holding up someone else's deliverance. Somebody can be delivered from one word that God will speak through you. And sometimes we will hold up other people's deliverance because we're too worried about what other people think about us. And what God says is more important than what anybody can think. And as long as you're doing and saying what he tells you to say, that's all that matters. So I don't want you to get started on your journey or if you're already on your journey and, you know, think that, OK, I'm saved. I can live any kind of way. No, that's not what God is saying. He's saying repent. He's saying love. He's saying because if you don't love people and you don't forgive people, and here's the here's the, here's the scripture on forgiveness. Mark 11 and 25, he says, and whatever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you for your trespasses. And then Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 14, it says, if for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others from their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespass. So if you have won millions of people to the Lord Jesus Christ. But you have all against people and you have um, unforgiveness in your heart. 
then baby, I'm here to tell you, you're not getting in heaven with that unforgiveness. We have to forgive. And God says, how many times should you forgive? When Peter came up and said to him, Lord, in Matthew 18 and 21, how often will my brother sin against me? Am I to forgive him? He said, as many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. What was God saying? The number seven represents the number of completion. God was saying not only forgive him more than seven times, but God says infinitely forgive and completely forgive because seven represents the number of completion. God completed the earth in seven days. That's what the number represents. So God says not only forgive your uh, brother if he sins against you, but completely forgive him. What does God mean when he say that? If you have thoughts about that person after you think you have forgiven them, that's not good thoughts. That means you haven't forgiven them. If you still bringing it up, that means you haven't forgiven them. So completely means wholeheartedly as if they never sinned against you. And guess what? It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to actually do that because we can't do that within and of ourselves. It takes the power of God to do that. Lord, whatever it takes, create in me a clean heart. But renew the right spirit in me. Don't cast me from your presence, which is what David says. And please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Because it comes a point when we be so numb to the uh, forgiveness, repentance, and we just don't even ask God no more. We become numb and sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading to repent. And the Holy Spirit eventually will leave you. Because again, he's a gentleman. And he's going to come with a gentle gentleness to to turn you back to God. So I say this to say that unforgiveness is a doozy. That's a big one. Um, and sometimes God have to just remove you out of situations in order for you to be healed to forgive. It's hard to forgive somebody for just say somebody stabbing you in the back. It's hard to forgive somebody for stabbing you in the back while they still stabbing you in the back. So in other words, some people stay in situations and they know God has called them to move out of those situations. And sometimes it's just like going to AA if you're alcoholic and you're going to AA. You're not going to AA with a bottle. They're checking all your bags. When you check in, they're making sure you ain't have no liquor hidden nowhere because it's, it's, it's impossible to heal while you're still drinking. It's impossible to get free from alcoholism while you're still taking the drink every day. So sometimes what God has to do is God has to totally remove you from situations, from people, from circumstances in order for your soul, you know, traumas in your soul to be healed from that situation. As long sometimes as you in situations and God wants to heal you and that person is still stabbing you and that person there's no way you're going to get healed so sometimes God has to take you out of situations place you on another path in order for you to begin getting healing so that you can forgive people sometimes it's impossible to forgive while you're still being um, stabbed in the back it's impossible so I just wanted to to uh, and of course I can go on and on um, strive for peace with everyone in Hebrews 12 and for the holiness without that no one will see the Lord. Uh, and it just talks about first John four and 20. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. So here it is again, you saying you love God, but you hate people. 
It's impossible because guess what? If you love God, you love what he loves and he loves people. He loved people so much he died for him. And I, I said this to somebody recently. You have to be very careful how you treat the people of God because that's a big deal to God. He died for people. So this is why in ministries and this is why in churches, if it's not about the people, then who is it really about? If people are coming and they need help and they need assistance for things and they've been paying tithes or they've been a part of congregation and you refuse to help them, then what is it all for? Because Jesus died for people. Everything God does is about the people. And if it's not about the people, then who is it really about? And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say today, if you're in a place and I feel led to say this, if you're in the church and the church is not putting the people first. And I'm not talking about prayer. Because prayer without action, that's just prayer. God has called us. If he calls you as a leader, he's called you to not only help people in word only, but in deed. So we have to be very careful that we're following God people and not just people because they're popular or because everybody else is following them. You have to be very careful with that, because now if it's not about the people, then who is it really about? So salvation is confession, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and then begin to do a U-turn and go into the direction that God wants you to go in, in terms of uh, the direction of living a different lifestyle, of, of getting rid of those things that you know that is not of God, that things that you know that the word says to get rid of. And God will show you little by little. This is not to condemn. This is not to be put to shame. God doesn't condemn us. The enemy will try to make us feel bad about things. He would try to make us feel like you're not good enough or you're not doing enough to be saved or you can never do enough. We didn't deserve salvation, but he gave us that. We don't deserve anything. And that's the mindset you have to have when the enemy comes in. And when he comes in to tell you, you don't deserve this or you don't need to ask God for this. I'm here to tell you he's a liar. You can ask God for anything you want to ask God for. So sometimes we feel like, oh, I don't deserve this. Oh, I don't. We don't deserve salvation, but we got it. So I'm saying that because I know the many ways that the enemy comes and he tries to steal, steal things from you. Try to steal your relationship with God. Try to make you say, oh my gosh, this is too hard. I just can't do this anymore. I just feel so bad about everything. Well, if that's the case, then that's not God. God said, with love and kindness, do I draw thee? God is love. So if it's anything outside of love, outside of patience, kindness, and what the fruit of the spirit is, it's not him, guys. God is never going to condemn you. He didn't come to the world to condemn the world. He wants all to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. So you walk in love. And so you walk. How do you walk? You walk how God wants you to walk. God will meet you right where you are. Some things that are expedient for other people may not be expedient for you. This is not a one size fit all. So because you may not can drink because you had an alcoholic problem, that doesn't mean that the other believer over here can't drink wine from time to time or can't indulge in certain things. So we don't want to get caught up in that either. See, this is why I say you can't get into the formality of stuff because God deals with people on a case by case basis. He's not going to tell one person they can drink and then tell this person uh, they can. Um, he no, I said he is going to tell them that because that person may not have struggled with with certain things. Now, if you know that these things that will lead you away from God, if he, if you know that these things put you in a posture to compromise your salvation, 
then don't do it. If you know that certain types of music put you in a certain mood and you aren't married and you shouldn't be having sex, then don't do it. That's how it works. It works like that. And it's a step-by-step -step process, but the Holy Spirit, they, the Bible says the anointing will teach you. The, the anointing will teach you. Church is great. Don't get me wrong. It's for spiritual growth and maturity. But God had to pull me out in order for me to know him. Is that, isn't that something? Sometimes God got to pull you away from religion so that you can know him up close and personal and know who he really is and what he is and what he isn't. So it's not enough to know God. You need to know his ways and how he operates and what his word says, because sometimes we can get into um, the, the method of something and the, or the, the formality of it. But then. It may change. So good example, the principles of God will never change. The word will never change. It will never be compromised. Right. But the method in which God do things may change. One day God may tell you, I'm going to provide for you through a job. And the next minute he may tell you, I'm going to provide for you through um, uh, YouTube or a, another way. So what I'm saying is don't get caught up in the formalities as long as it line up with the word of God. So I know it's been a long video, guys, but I really wanted to share the revelation of salvation um, because there's so many people that are walking in condemnation and walking in shame. And then the other end of it, they're not walking in anything. They're not even obeying God and they're not living a life that is pleasing to God. And they think that they're still going to heaven. So it doesn't work like that. So you have to bring balance to everything in your life. There is, it's not one all the way over here and it's not one all the way over there. It has to be, okay, what does the word say about it? Okay, am I looking at it from a shaking your finger standpoint? I can't do anything. Or am I looking at it from I can just do anything I want in the grace of God? It doesn't work like that. Because God said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So that goes back to what is his commandments? Oh, thou shalt not steal, kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not commit homosexuality. Thou shalt not. That's what God said. So, okay, that's what God is saying. How am I going to do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me. I'm praying to you that you would help me to live a life that is pleasing to you. Not in shame or condemnation, not in worry, not in fear that God, something's going to drop out the sky on you. God don't operate like that. And if it is that, it's not him because he is a loving God. He is a kind God. He's sensitive. He, he's concerned about every area of your life. He loves you immensely. And so he wants this walk to be in peace. He wants the, the walk to be in love. He wants the walk to be in abundance of, 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 of blessing and prosperity and increase. He doesn't want you to say, oh, because I follow Jesus, I have to look like a rag doll and I can't have nothing. The devil is a lie. The devil is a lie. So I'm going to close out with that, guys. And I want you to be blessed. Thank you for listening. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe if you think someone could benefit from this video. And I will see you in the next one, guys. Love you so much with the love of God. And just stay blessed in Jesus' name.